0: In years past, we had the buildup of Kofi Kingston and Kofi Mania. We had the lead up to Yesomania. We had Roman Reigns toppling the de- the then unstoppable Braun the Strowman. And in this year's Elimination Chamber. Well, we had a couple really good matches, and the rest was just kind of there. In fact, we didn't even have any world title matches. The world champions didn't even appear, but we did get an appearance from one legend who may have to hang it up uh, sooner rather than later. What's up, folks? Fred Ricciani, TSC, your home for sports news updates, interviews, and everything in between. If you're new here, please consider subscribing. Pardon my voice if it's a little raspy. Been a little busy over this weekend, busy UFC weekend. Of course, I was previewing Elimination Chamber. Some predictions came true. Some didn't. We'll go through them here right now. Man. So here are the results you need to know about if you're tuning in right now, whether you're live, on demand, or on the podcast. Shayna Baszler versus Becky Lynch is official for the Raw Women's Championship. WrestleMania 36, Shayna versus Becky. Now, there were rumors swirling around that maybe they do a swerve. Vince McMahon doesn't really feel Shayna Baszler. She's not really his type. And anybody that's followed Vince McMahon would know that Shayna's not really his type. Rumors of Nia Jax maybe entering in, maybe Sasha Banks, maybe Bianca Belair, but no. Shayna Baszler went through his whole Elimination Chamber match and demolished everybody in the main event to earn a title shot. I gotta give WWE props here. I didn't think they'd be pushing Shayna Baszler like this in NXT. I definitely didn't think they'd be pushing her like this on the main roster. Not that she's not talented. She is supremely talented. She is a legitimate badass former fighter, a pioneer of women's mixed martial arts. Truly have the utmost respect for her, a student of the game, but she does not fit Vince's mold, whether it be in looks, whether it be in age, whether it be in hair color, all that jazz. And for her to continue to break down barriers, to kick ass, to rise above the ranks, truly remarkable for Dedeby in 2020. But I think it's going to take some time for her to really connect. And this is what you got to do. These are the growing pains. You had this with a guy like Braun Strowman. You had this with Aleister Black. You had this with a lot of different people. You have to educate the audience on these people that you're pushing, especially if you're pushing them as dominantly as Shayna Baszler has been portrayed. So I thought she did a great job here, but I did have a few complaints. One, I think the show went a little too long, especially with the lack of star power. Two, you can make the very strong argument that while Shayna Baszler versus Becky Lynch is a main event program, that the tag team title match, just by nature of how flashy and crazy and death-defying it was, should have been a main event. And three, while Shayna kept eliminating people over and over and over again, there were at least two times in the match where she was just standing in the middle of the ring, waiting for the pods to open for what seemed like an eternity. And I, I get you want to build up the psychology, and it's like, oh my God, and it's kind of similar with Brock Lesnar with the Royal Rumble, and they want to milk the crowd and everything, but... With all due respect, she ain't Brock Lesnar, and she's not connecting like Brock Lesnar. Not yet, anyway. She could get there, but it just felt... And the first time, okay, she's staring on Asuka. She's staring on Liv Morgan. And then she chokes out Liv Morgan. Then she's staring on Asuka for, again, what seemed like an eternity. And then she eventually choked Asuka out and got the win. Uh, The other thing I didn't like, Becky Lynch is just backstage, and I don't know if they're just building up for an excuse for Becky to lose to Shayna Baszler or if she's going to win after all at Mania. But she's been kind of a goof lately. She's in that kind of wacky, wannabe Conor McGregor phase now. And she's wearing the goat jacket. And the goat jacket's cool and everything. And it's kind of fun. But this woman bit your freaking neck off. She made you bleed your own blood. And you're just kind of chilling and sitting back and having a good time. And sipping pina coladas and watching backstage with the weird TV angle that can only hurt your neck. That no normal person watches TV like. And she didn't even come out to... Confront her, stare her down, nothing, not even at the ramp. No, maybe she did after the, the, the show ended, you know, when the lights went off uh, for a TV, but still, something. We know she's backstage, maybe a little nitpicky, but I don't know, something to think about. That being said, the bottom line is the result. And the bottom line is that the result is the right one. Shayna Baszler wins. She destroys everybody. She eliminated the Riot Squad. She eliminated the Fire Squad. She eliminated Natalia. She eliminated Asuka. And she is your number one contender for the Raw Women's title. By the way, for anybody that's watching live right now, please feel free to like this video, share with us with all your friends, subscribe, and enable notifications. And... By the way, we have brand new shirts on ProWrestlingTees.com slash tsc news. That's ProWrestlingTees.com slash news. if you want to check it out and show your support. All right, let's go to the rest of the show. I guess we should start at the top here. I did not watch the pre-show, but uh, it was Viking Raiders demolishing Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins in about five minutes, which, quite frankly, I think is about five minutes too long. We had Daniel Bryan defeat Drew Gulak via referee stoppage, not tap out, referee stoppage. I remember watching this before and I was thinking, wait a minute, did Drew actually tap out here? And it turns out, guess what? He did not tap out. So Drew Gulak lives to wrestle for another day against Daniel Bryan. The whole storyline here was that Daniel Bryan was a fan of Drew Gulak, watching him in the Cruiserweight Classic, enjoyed his work. And Drew Gulak arrogantly goes up to Bryan and says, I see weaknesses in your game. I can help you. Brian took the offense to that. They, these guys had a technical wrestling class. Like This was just fantastic stuff. The only thing I didn't like, Daniel freaking Brian, as smart of a worker as he is, always has to take at least one unnecessarily dangerous bump every few big matches. I don't know why. He's trying to scare all us Daniel Bryan fans. He took a huge release uh, suplex let it square on his back, the, the upper back and neck. Oh, look brutal. Now, presumably, he is fine. But the dude's in his mid-late 30s. He's getting up there in age. He's getting up there in mileage. Come on, man. Chill out here. Chill out. That being said, LaBelle Locke, Drew Gulak. Actually, I did the tapping sound. But Drew Gulak actually didn't tap out. I thought he tapped out. But he didn't. Which means that we will see probably another match between the two. And backstage in an online-only interview... Daniel Bryan said to WWE.com that Drew Gulak said he saw some holes in his game and he'd like to work with Drew Gulak. Hmm. I don't know if I'm really clamoring for a Drew Gulak, Daniel Bryan tag team considering I think Daniel Bryan still has got a lot left in the tank as a singles main eventer. But you know what? If it means maybe him and Drew Gulak challenging for the tag team titles, having a fun sleeper match, why the hell not? By the way, I want to send a shout out to everybody that's watching live here Daniel Trill, Freddie Mitchell, Mr. Racer 1029. The OGs are on this chat here. Jeremy Bowers, and everybody else watching on Facebook and listening on the podcast. Okay. The next match we had was Andrade versus Umberto Carrillo. If you feel like you've seen this match a thousand times, it's because you have. And Andrade defeated Umberto Carrillo with some help from Zelina Vega, he retained the United States Championship. Um, Umberto Carrillo is extremely talented. He seems like a, a great guy. He's a dude that I found out through Instagram got his college degree, which is commendable. Okay? And, and, uh, and look, whether no matter how you feel about college education or whatever else, okay, to come from another country, to get your formal education, to also be successful, living your dream, in the profession you want to be in, in professional wrestling... It's just a beautiful story. I believe he's happily married or on the verge of being married. Just seems like an all-around nice guy, great human interest story. And guess what? We don't hear about any of that on TV. Here's what we know about him on TV. He flies around. He's Mexican. He's got lovely dimples. And Jerry the King Lawler can't help but make racist jokes about him every time he's in the damn ring. You got to stop that, Jerry. For real, man. It's 2020, bro. You got you to you stop that. Don't make me come and slap you, man. Listen, I don't even need a slap. I'm the, the Hispanic delegation from Mexico to my native Venezuela will come give him a stern talking to. Or, uh, you know, maybe maybe one day Humberto will be like, bro, you got to stop with pinata references. But this match was just, well, it was just kind of there. It was, it was good work. Solid work all around. But again, nothing we have not seen before. And the unfortunate thing here is that Andrade was suspended for 30 days due to the wellness policy violation. Kept the U.S. title. Clearly, the title means nothing right now. Or at least he's educated the fans to believe that the title means nothing. You have Humberto Carrillo, who's been nothing because they haven't given him that many wins. And on top of that, I believe he's like 0 for, at least just on TV alone, he's like 0 for 4, 0 for 5 in U.S. title matches between his matches against AJ Styles and Andrade. So he loses again. Why are we supposed to care about him? Huh? Just like they wanted us to care about Ricochet. Why do I care about Ricochet beating Carl Anderson in 2020? Hmm? Huh? Why am I going to care about Ricochet when he lost to some dude named Riddick Moss, who sounds like a user-created character in Madden? Granted, maybe a talented user-created character in Madden. Or actually, I mean, user... Yeah, yeah, those You know, if you ever played Madden before, or FIFA, or one of these games, or you download like these custom rosters, or... Not even. You know what? Like... You know how like you, you you play like in the franchise mode and then when you don't download the draft class for next year, the computer just generates somebody? Yeah, Riddick Moss is like that computer-generated Madden character. He might be good, but it's Riddick Moss. Never mind the fact that I believe, I believe the crowd chanted at him, we don't know you. So, great job by uh, the booking team for Ricochet. We then had one of the best matches of the night. Maybe the best match of the night behind uh, Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak. You could flip them both. I mean, either one w- w- was great. It, the Miz, John Morrison defeated Kofi Kingston and Big E. The Usos, Grand Metalik and Lindsay Dorado. Heavy Machinery and Robert Roode Dolph the Ziggler to retain the SmackDown tag team titles. Here's what happened. We had Heavy Machinery eliminate Metalik. We had Ziggler Super Kick uh, and eliminate uh, Heavy Machinery. Okay, yeah. So Ziggler hit the Super Kick. Roode hit the Glorious DDT. They pinned Tucker Uh, Man, Otis was sent through the pod all the way onto the outside. There was a crazy spot too before the Lucha House Party got eliminated where Lince Dorado did a shooting star press off the top which was just absolutely insane only to be the first one eliminated. (laughs) Yeah, they give real incentive to do those spots, huh? Then we had the Usos hit dives off the pods to pin Ziggler and Rude and then the Usos and New Day uh double teamed or quadruple teamed, whatever you want to call it, Miz and Morrison until they turned on each other, and then eventually uh, Kofi Kingston missed a dive off a pod. Miz and Morrison covered him, and then Miz and Morrison pinned Jay Uso at the same time, and it was brilliant because Miz had a had a roll up with his feet on the ropes, and then Morrison also did a sunset flip, and they just both pinned him at the same time while using the ropes in a no DQ match. I thought it was a very clever finish, and Miz and Morrison. We'll go on to WrestleMania, at least for now, as your SmackDown Tag Team Champions. There's a part of me that thinks, my God, you brought John Morrison back after all these years just to practically be in the same spot he was 10 years ago. At the same time, The Miz is now a former world champion. John Morrison's now a former ECW world champion, TNA world champion, Lucha Underground champion. And believe it or not, even though he was a world champion for Impact Wrestling a year ago, I still feel like he's in a much better place now wrestling in front of actual crowds As a tag team title holder than he was back as the world title holder for Impact, which I guess now broadcasts out of a gas station or something. We then had a shockingly boring match between Aleister Black and AJ Styles. Now, if y'all would have told me that Aleister Black and AJ Styles would have a boring, heatless match in Philadelphia, no less... With a no disqualification stipulation, I would have said you're crazy. But you're not crazy because that's exactly what freaking happened. This whole feud was rushed. They've been building up to AJ Styles versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania. I don't know why. I guess maybe they think AJ's mobile enough and still got enough in the tank where he could carry Undertaker to a good match. And AJ's technically a legend at this point as well, given his two title runs and his amazing career outside of WWE. That being said, Aleister Black is the one that's the goth guy, not AJ. Aleister Black having The Undertaker pass the torch to him at WrestleMania makes a lot more sense than AJ just beating him or losing to The Undertaker, who, oh, by the way, looks old as all hell. And no disrespect to The Undertaker's legendary career. I grew up a fan. I'm happy he's getting that money. I'm sure alimony is expensive. I'm sure child support is expensive. I'm sure those guns that he buys are expensive. That being said, man, I don't know. At some point, father time is undefeated and you can idiot proof a match like all hell and stuff might still happen. Ish might still happen. Poor Scotty Steiner collapsed during an impact wrestling taping over the weekend and was rushed to the hospital. Now from what I understand, he's okay. He's going to be all right. He's in recovery. Thank God. But think about all the mileage that Scott Steiner has and, Think about how inactive Scott Steiner's been for the most part. And you got to believe uh, all that stuff caught up with him. And it's, it's unfortunate. And we wish Scott Steiner very best. He's a true wrestling legend. But you, you get up to a certain point in time. And maybe you just shouldn't do this anymore. I'm not saying that's going to happen to Undertaker. God forbid. I'm not saying Undertaker's going to get hurt or anything like that. But the longer you're out there, the older you are. I mean, wrestling... Father Time's undefeated. Okay? This thing MMA. You could predetermine the stuff and idiot-proof a lot of this stuff and Undertaker-proof all this stuff, but still, things can happen. So hopefully, no matter who Undertaker wrestles at WrestleMania, if it is indeed AJ Styles, hopefully it's quick, hopefully it's safe, to the point, bada-bing, bada-boom, get in, get out, live to get paid and play with your kids and have a good time with your wife another day. So anyway, AJ Styles and Aleister Black managed to have one of the most boring matches possible given the caliber of talent in the ring. The OC kept interfering on AJ Styles' behalf, despite the fact that it's no DQ. Now, you might be wondering, well, why are you mad about that? They're interfering with no DQ. Well, here's the caveat. They were only interfering when the referee's back was turned. Now, eventually, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, the dumbest heels of all time, looked at each other like the bandits from Home Alone and said, Wait a minute. We could just attack Alistair Black. Wait a minute. It's no disqualification. Wait a minute. We could all just triple team him and beat his ass, which is great. Except they realized that like 20 minutes into the match. This was slow. This was plotting. The Alistair Black character should only be selling on rare occasions, at least for prolonged periods of time. Even when he faced Buddy Murphy in those awesome matches those two guys had, there was, there was some selling, but it was back and forth, back and forth. There was a war of attrition. And this was just a more a, more of like a war of, I mean, I guess also a war of attrition, but the attrition of, of me trying to stay awake, it was just like, my God. And I had Jeremy Bowers tweet me, and he's like, man, it's been a while since AJ Styles has had a great match. And at first I thought, hey, JB, you're being out a lot in here. AJ Styles is one of the all-time greats. What are you talking about? And I thought about it, and I thought about it. And the last time I think AJ Styles had what would be perceived as a great or phenomenal, as he would say, match, was last year's Money in the Bank against Seth Rollins. Has he had a great, all caps, great match since then? He's had some pretty good ones with Cedric Alexander and Umberto, but has he had a great one-on-one match? So I don't know if it's a case of AJ's just slowed down and we're all finally realizing it. Maybe it's just a Styles clash, pun intended. Maybe just wrong place, wrong feud, wrong time, super rushed. Whatever the case may be, this match just didn't work. So finally, mercifully, after like 20-something minutes, the lights go out. Dong. Undertaker's dong hits. He appears in the ring. He chokeslams AJ Styles. This time, unlike Super Showdown, he was nice enough to take off his hat and jacket. Look like he dressed for the occasion. And then Alister Black hit the black mask kick for the win. One, two, three. And I gotta believe that AJ Styles should be beating The Undertaker at Mania because while AJ is older now, he is still younger than The Undertaker, and he is presumably still going to be full-time at least for the next year or so. So I think AJ should win. JB also gave me the idea of saying, hey, what if Aleister Black and Undertaker team up against the OC? That way Aleister Black gets the rub. That way Undertaker's weaknesses are hidden. That would make a lot more sense, but we'll see. We'll see what happens there, but this match is one... Y'all can skip. The Street Profits beat Seth Rollins and Murphy to retain the Raw Tag Team titles. This match also went way too long. The Street Profits were very over, though, with the crowd. And uh, the Viking Raiders interfered. AOP interfered. Kevin Owens interfered. Gave Seth the stunner. This was a perfectly fine match, uh, but... You know, I I don't think it was that different from the raw match. It is nice to see the Street Profits getting over though. Uh, I thought there wasn't going to be a lot of hope for them especially after they did those terrible SNL style skits, but they're doing all right. And talent occasionally in WWE despite some crappy booking does shine through and that does seem to be the case with Montez Ford and with Angelo Dawkins who are the definition of perseverance. Now, one can only hope that that shine and that perseverance rubs off on Bianca Belair, who's not only spectacular, maybe my favorite current wrestler right now, but also the real-life wife of Montez Ford. But that remains to be seen. And then, of course, as I mentioned, we had... Oh, actually, I almost forgot. I was going to mention the Elimination Chamber match again, but we had a three-on-one handicap match, or handicraft match, as I like to call them. Sami Zayn, Cesaro, Nakamura beat Braun the Strowman after outsmarting him by hiding under the ring. Attacking him, hitting all their moves. Sami hit the haluva kick. And believe it or not, after all these years, my Arab brother from another mother, Syrian Middle Eastern excellence, Sami Zayn, Yalla Habibi. He is now your new intercontinental champion. And while the ridiculousness of this match, while, while Sami Zayn won this match with the help of two other men, I gotta say, as a, as a person that, 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 that has family in Syria, has family in Lebanon, it's, ni- it's nice to see uh, a fellow Arab uh, get, get, get a win here. That being said, when you take off the Homer hat, he won the title against Braun Strowman, who was killing people left and right for years and years in a three-on-one handicap match in a way that did not make Braun Strowman look strong or sympathetic whatsoever. But, Sami Zayn's their Continental Champion, so, and I'm a long-time fan. I, I, I guess I'll give this sort of a pass. But, once again, what, what is it? The second or third straight year where on the pay-per-view before Mania, the IC title just randomly changes hands in a handicap match or some wacky match, and I'm sure it's going to change hands again come WrestleMania time in less than a month. I don't know. I don't know. It was wacky. I would have preferred to see Sami Zayn win his IC, first IC title, first main roster title, in a different way. Maybe, you know, in like a one-on-one match where it's epic, maybe back when he was still a baby face against Kevin Owens, but hey, I'll take it. I guess better late than never. And then, of course, as I mentioned before, Shayna Baszler defeated women's tag team champion Asuka, Natalia, Ruby Riott, Liv Morgan in her dominatrix outfit, and Sarah Logan in her hunting gear to become the number one contender for the Raw Women's Championship. Overall, ooh, man, I, I don't know. It's tough. This is tough for me to say because Daniel Bryan versus Drew Gulak was damn good because the SmackDown Tag team match was damn good. I'm going to give this pay per view a thumbs. Mm, I'm going to give it a thumbs in the middle with it pointing slightly down. There might be a cop out. That's what I think. But I want to hear from what you guys have to say. And there's a whole lot of feedback. Freddie Mitchell says. AJ doesn't need the rub, but I'm thinking Undertaker went to Vince and asked for AJ because I believe Shane McMahon told Undertaker AJ works light in the ring. JB says, I prefer OC versus Taker, Kane, and Black at Mania. Oh, God, not, not Kane. Please don't advocate for Kane. Daniel trill. who gives a crap about Undertaker versus Styles when Undertaker already defeated Styles at one chokeslam? That is right. He did at WrestleMania. That is very true. So why should we care? Mr. Racer says, Randy Orton is going to beat Edge at WrestleMania. Spoken like a Randy Orton fan. By the way, Edge returns on Monday night on Raw. Daniel O'Trill says AEW did the same mistake with already building Moxley versus Jericho. Then they do a four man turning for number one contender. It was so predictable it was going to win. Yeah, but sometimes predictable is good. Look, Rocky's predictable, and that's good. And since when can you tap out somebody outside the ring in a chamber match? There has to be a rule. Well, there's been pinfalls outside of the actual ring part of the chamber before. Freddie's referring to the part of the match where Shayna choked out Liv Morgan when she was on the ropes, but I, I get what you're saying. There's gotta be some rules here and there. The Pope the pay-per-view over delivered, given the lack of star power. You know, that's, that's a good way of looking at it. I remember when pay-per-views were three hours long. I do too. And so does Pepperidge farms. Uh, Mitch says zero out of 10. Damn. I don't know if I'd go that far, but if you watch the co event of UC the other night, I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to be entertained by what you saw tonight outside of the chamber match and the Daniel Bryan match. Terrence Sullivan, shout out to him. Thumbs down on the pay-per-view. Your commentary was gold, but the main event was boring. Thank you for the compliment, but yeah. uh, I feel you. I think the booking was good, but the execution was, yeah, just a teeny bit boring. But folks, enough about what I have to say. I appreciate everybody participating in the live stream. We'll be back all throughout WrestleMania season, keeping you up to date with some vlogs. We got some big interviews, including one with the WWE Hall of Famer, the Godfather coming up. Of course, I'll be recapping WrestleMania and everything else going on in between, before, during, and after, especially if, God forbid, uh, things get worse with the coronavirus. And obviously, uh, you know, WrestleMania could be in danger of being canceled. If South by Southwest could be canceled, anything can be postponed and canceled. If you enjoyed this recap Please like, share, take care. Our podcast is now on Podbean. We're still on SoundCloud if you want to check us out. But if you have the Podbean app or download it, all you have to do is search CSC News Podcast. We're also now on iHeartRadio. So we're on Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, you name it. We're on it. In addition to, of course, YouTube, Facebook, SoundCloud. So check us out there. And if you want to get one of the brand new TSC shirts, maybe you're going to WrestleMania. Maybe you're hitting up Tampa Bay WrestleMania weekend. You want to show your support for Fred Ricciani and TSC. Go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash TSC News and get your brand new shirt today. Until then, I love y'all. I thank y'all. Thank you so much for the support. This pay-per-view was a little rough, but we all got through it together. And we will get through this WrestleMania season no matter how good or boring it gets together. Until next time, everybody. As always, enjoy the matches.